Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, where we cover the latest news and trends in the NFL because it is week one. So go ahead and check out our latest episode covering the first weekend in the NFL. It's going to be done by our good friends at the Lakers Fast Break, who stopped by to talk to me. So go ahead and check that out today for all you fantasy football geeks out there to get the latest news, timbits, and help on your fantasy football league. Plus, also, I said Lakers Fast Break. We cover the world of the NBA like no other. Check out as we're currently in the process of knocking out all 30 NBA teams with team previews with experts from all around the world talking about the nba so go ahead we're covering and we're just about finishing up this week the eastern conference so go ahead and check out all of our previews and our team reviews of upcoming season for these eastern conference teams by going ahead and check it out today at the lakers fast break on youtube or wherever you get your podcast plus also of course right here at the pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day of course Right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Of course, twice a week, wherever you get your podcast. And we had a great conversation, Josh Peterson and I, earlier this week. We'll elaborate more on that with Melinda here in a little bit on Starfield and how well it's doing in its first few days out of the box. Plus, Baldur's Gate 3 and how it's doing now on a console on the PlayStation. So we'll go ahead and talk about that coming up in a bit. So stay tuned for that. Plus also as well, of course, Vampires and Vitae. Please go ahead and check out Vampires and Vitae wherever you get your podcast or subscribe today on YouTube. While Beyond the Witchlight, go ahead and check that out today as well, wherever you get your podcast. And of course, on YouTube. And subscribe today on the Pop Culture Cosmos to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the Pop Culture Cosmos. The PCC Multiverse, the state of pro wrestling, inside sports, fantasy football, and more. So go ahead, and you can only know about this unless you get the updates, because you'll be subscribed. So subscribe today to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, indeed. But I'll tell you what, it's a great, great day for pop culture and Star Trek fans, as we'll elaborate on. And speaking of Star Trek, I wouldn't be here today without a good friend, indeed, she is our own master of all trickies. She sees four lights. <laughs> it is a good friend indeed. You got to go ahead and check her out today when she's part of Vampires of Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, and anything that she's up to out there in the universe of media. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, great to have you here. I hope you're getting all the great Stuff I'm sending you on emails from our good friends at Free League, who rock, by the way. So glad to have them still a part of our lives, sending us all these sneak peeks and stuff like that. Just want to make sure they're coming your way, my friend. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, I just haven't had a chance to download all of those goodies that you've sent. There's been a few emails this week that have had stuff from Free League Publishing attached to it. So very cool. And I heard a little birdie that the Happy Hoarder 
run by a certain Josh Peterson, wants to go ahead and make get some products for his customers from Free League. So I'm hoping he'll be able to arrange that so he'll provide a lot of good things that he can sell for you at happyhoardercollectibles.com. But I'll tell you what, it's a great episode. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk, be talking Star Trek. Also, we're going to be talking a lot of good things about Starfield. It's a lot of space stuff going on today. Baldur's Gate 3, a lot of RPG stuff going on today. Plus, will Taylor Swift finally get Melinda back to the box office, back to the theater, back into one of those nice, cushy little chairs? We'll ask her that on the back end of the episode as well. But first, my friend, it is Star Trek Day, as most people who will be hearing this. It is taking place on Friday. Paramount Studios and, and Star Trek is going to be doing a lot of great things. They're celebrating on it. at the, I think it's StarTrekDay.com, but also Paramount side. And they're going to be doing a lot of good things, including dropping a new episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. They start their fourth season right here that's getting good reviews so far. So they're dropping their first episode there, which I actually absolutely love the show. But they're also bringing out Star Trek short treks, really short treks, little mini movies, as it were. They're going to be there from their animation studios right there. So they're going to be sending that out and putting that out on StarTrekDay.com. Your thoughts on all the celebration that's going to be going on as far as the 57th anniversary of the first time human beings laid their eyes on Star Trek. We've come a long way from that campy original series. <laughs> I still have a great place in my heart. When I oh, saw it, forever and, and will, I, yeah. And, and I was one of the those people that in the I guess, I don't want to say mid-70s, probably late 70s, uh, back on my black and white TV. Mm -hmm. uh, got a chance to see it in reruns on uh, my local Southern California station, Channel 13, and then Channel 5. They both had it on there as far as repeats and got me hooked just like it did. I mean, that's the reason why we are here today. It's not because of the original series and its original run. It's because of the original series after its original run took off like gangbusters in syndication repeats for years. Like I love Lucy is like the all time watch show. Star Trek isn't too far behind. And she's at Lucille ball is actually the reason why Star Trek stayed on TV That's for a right. while. So we are tied. The reason why it got shows. started because of Desilu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I, I love all of that kind of, uh, you know, random television history that exists out there. It's it's uh, really incredible when you start to pull back that curtain a little bit and see just how much Hollywood works inside of Hollywood. Does that make sense? Yes, but it, I remember if you read the articles or that really tell the history or the synergy between Lucille Ball and Star Trek, that, mm -hmm. you know, strange, you know, like you said, uh, coincidence or the reasons why that they're connected to each other, the strange connections on why that it is what it is. They said that she really didn't, according to the reports, didn't fully grasp the concept because it's really at that time, point in time, really hard to go ahead and explain to people what you had in mind. Yeah. But Gene Roddenberry, he was, I guess was just so convincing, you know, at that point in time, is so passionate about the concept of Star Trek 
that it sold. That's what sold Lucille Ball. That's what really helped Desi Lu to help support and eventually finance and help produce the Star Trek, the original series that we, you know, that we have such an affinity for these days. Yeah, it's just really cool history. And if you don't know about it, you should look it up and you should learn about it on Star Trek Day. Absolutely. But a great way to go ahead and do so. Again, there's going to be some great celebrations for people to go ahead out there and check out some Star Trek, very short treks, which will be unveiled uh, on the CBS studios right there for StarTrekDay.com. Plus also, you know, like I said, if you just go ahead and look up Star Trek Day, you're going to see them right there. But they're going to feature a lot of the older characters, some more familiar characters in animated features. So go ahead and check that out. Plus, like I said, speaking of animation, season four of Star Trek Lower Decks does debut this weekend as well. And actually, by the time you see this, it'll already be out and available for Paramount+. Plus. So I ask you, my friend, with all that said and done, before we get into our heavy discussion and why you were mad yeah, as a Trek Trekkie yeah. before we went on the show, just talk about right now where we stand with Star Trek and how or if you have more or less hope on the future than what you did before. I mean, is it something you're more you're you know you're you're more proud of your you're looking forward to and you think that there's going to be a better future for it. You know, we've talked about it at nauseum over the past two, three years now about Star mm -hmm. Trek to some people, but uh, you know, are you more on the positive side for Star Trek going forward? Okay. So, I mean, my, I, okay. <laughs> One thought at a time. Let's, let's slow it down a little bit in my brain. Cause there's so much in there. Okay. So I think that, um, the the direction that Strange New Worlds um, has taken and the the life that it's breathing back into the IP is incredible. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I think Lower Decks has done incredible stuff as well. Um, you know, Star Trek Discovery. Um, it, it was a, it's rough. Uh, it was a it was a rough first season. Um, you know, with all yes. of the all of the Klingon stuff that was so far outside of. Uh, what we know and understand as the the history of the Klingon Empire and and stuff like that and, and the way that the Klingons looked and having them speak exclusively in Klingon for so long, very cool, but not really accessible to like a larger mainstream audience. So I can see why that show maybe didn't get itself set up uh, in the best possible way. Um, but when Strange New Worlds came along, it, it was like, okay, here's an opportunity for us to show that what, you know, Star Trek fans know. Star Trek is a fun show. It it can be a very cool show. Um, and I don't mean cool as in, you know, like the most popular kid in high school cool. I mean, like cool as in it's going to take things and, and it's going to examine stuff about what it means to be human what it means to be an explorer what it means to be the first in something uh what it means to um exist i think it's really good at examining the human condition um through all of these alien life forms that that star trek brings in uh as members of the crew or even as a species that they discover when they go to a new planet for first contact um and i think that Strange New Worlds has brought that feeling of Star Trek back again. It feels like a cool show when you're watching it. And again, I don't mean cool like kids in high school. I mean cool like it's you're enjoying the show and you're entertained while you're watching it. But it is telling a, a, an overall story 
and it is getting at something. There is a point to what they're talking about in the episode or, or what they're doing in the episode. And, and I think it's, it's smart writing again, uh, which I love to have in Star Trek. I think it needs to be a smart show. I don't think that you can take Star Trek and 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 I don't mean this to be offensive and dumb it down. I, I don't. I just it's accessible, but it's still smart. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. But, you know, we've talked about it, this about the future of Star Trek before. I, I'm still sad to see that Prodigy yeah. was canceled. I thought that was really helpful for bringing a younger audience, and a younger generation into Star Trek, and I thought that if given the chance to blossom and grow, that it could have garnered a strong enough following that would have helped and probably would have laid the foundation for Star Trek for the future. So that is still the you know, just the little things. It's the little things with Paramount that still kind of get me. Yes. Like, for instance, Picard, the first two seasons, the more I look back on the first two seasons, the more I think, why did I waste my life? during those two seasons uh you're gonna cut them a little bit of slack for the second season yeah second season because it was filmed during the pandemic obviously from what you see as parameters okay i will give them the slack on that first season no no but i will say season three more than made up for it with everything as far as from a nostalgia but from a good story line pretty much all the way until the last couple episodes it was still very much on point and i truly enjoyed my experience there like you said about discovery discovery it's a not just season one but the entire series has really been up and down mm-hmm. and for all the flack that that a lot of people give it i do want to say it deserves a lot of credit for being the star trek that brought star trek back into the forefront as a major ip once again because yes thank you for if, saying that if it wasn't for discovery you wouldn't have and the, and the success that it had at one time yep maybe during season two or season three paramount would have never greenlit prodigy would have never greenlit picard would have never greenlit strange new worlds or anything that they do down the line because if it weren't for discovery and their gamble there to get back into it, what, two, three years after the last Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. I think that it just, to me, was a gamble that has paid off. And again, the up and down nature of it, it may not be my favorite Star Trek series. In fact, it isn't my favorite Star Trek series by a long shot. It still has its moments. I don't want to say it's in the best shape it's ever been, because I think a year ago, I probably would have said that because they had all these shows running. Yeah. But since then, they've announced that Discovery is ending. They've announced that Project Prodigy has been canceled. Picard has ended. So it may not be in the absolute best condition, but with the possibility still on the horizon that there may be a movie that they may gamble on again at some point in time. I, though I'm still saying the you know it's kind of a fifty-fifty on that. I still think that the Star Trek universe is in a good position to go ahead and tell amazing stories long-term. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I could be wrong, but I can't think of another time or another period where there was so much new Star Trek on TV. 
you know, like in, in the last three years, look at all of the, the new shows and, and things like that that have been launched uh, all under the IP. So, I mean, this could be the great Star Trek renaissance that we are in right now. And I'm here for it. I'm, I'm all about it. Let's do it. I, ho- I hope it's not. I hope it's just the beginning. Yeah. Because, again, we only have one. We went from at one time five. Uh, yeah, five series, you mm-hmm. know, if you include uh, Lower Decks as well, down to two. So let's uh, get back up, get going. I've heard the that this, what, the Starfleet uh, Academy, that's possibly a go. I've not heard a confirmation of that. We'll see what happens on the other end of the strike. Uh, you know, there's the Section 31. That's something that might actually be a, a also a series that's coming up down the line if they could, you know, back up the Brinks truck from Michelle, Michelle Yeo. Yeo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that would be the key right there for you. I mean, yeah. there are these. Again, to me, it all comes down for if Star Trek can ever, ever ingratiate itself to a mass audience. I mean, we'll know this weekend because Strange New Worlds will be playing to a broadcast television audience for the first time on Star Trek Day. So I'm hoping that people won't just jet out for the weekend that they'll actually give it a shot because I think they'll like what they see. But I'm still hoping that the Star Trek universe is still on an upward trajectory, even despite all the small bumps in the road so far in 2023, that they are still on an upward trajectory enough to put the Kelvin crew back in the cockpit, back on the ship and back out there with JJ Abrams, either behind the chair or producing somewhat in some form or fashion Mm. for one more shot at hopefully a, a worldwide phenomenon in Star Trek. I'm hoping for finally that worldwide box office hit. I'm not sold on Abrams. And maybe, maybe that's controversial in itself. I don't know, but I'm, I'm just not sold on Abrams. Diehard Trekkies seem to be a little bit abrasive about the JJ Abrams movies. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross to be Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching and listening. We'll get to our favorite moments in star trek both in a tv and a movie format here because melinda does have some beef with variety yeah she just recently posted their 57 best star trek episodes that are out there but like you said you're not the first to say that about longtime star trek fans who are not appreciative of the way jj abrams treated the reboots I absolutely love it. As someone who's seen the old and the new, mm-hmm. I absolutely love the 2008 Star Trek movie. It's clearly on one of my top. It's actually the number two Star Trek movie for me all time. And I think it's absolutely a blast. It does what it needs to do to get over to a broader audience. As we know, even though it only garnered right around $500 million at the box office, which doesn't make it a box office hit, it has been absolutely one of the most played movies on cable and broadcast television over the past 25 years so by that alone it's it's been a success the movies behind it have done 
mixed as far as the box office returns. So I can understand why that you have issues with that. But it, where would you take the series then, if that's the case? If you if you do not like where it goes with another shot, the Kelvin crew, even though I absolutely think they are the best of all the Star Trek crews. Now that is controversial. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, you know you would probably be not you know you you'd probably be justified in your dissension in regards to a possible jj abrams movie but what would you do instead um i don't see that's and that's the rub right because now i'm turning into one of those typical armchair star trek fans where the answer i'm going to give you is i don't know i don't know what the next journey because everything that else has been created yeah in the star trek universe has not gotten over to a mass audience when we talk about how wonderful star trek strange new worlds is when we talk about uh, you know, all these other shows. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has appeared in the top 10 of most streamed shows, episodes on a weekly basis from time to time. So it has been a success. You know, it's getting into tens of millions of homes, but it's not been on broadcast television where it could get to an even larger audience until this right. time this weekend. So we'll have to see how it, it's going to be reacting to it. But when it comes to the other parts of the star trek universe it has not gotten over to a mass audience so when something like the star trek reboot gets over to an extent didn't blow up like the star wars reboot i get it i get it didn't do two billion dollars so i get it but that's the closest thing that's ever blown up with star trek on it that's the closest thing that star trek has ever done to a worldwide commercial hit I would if like to can... see. I would like to see uh, Strange New Worlds get a movie. I would love to see uh, Captain Pike on the big screen. Uh, I think that. Yeah, but do, do, does everybody know about this show? That's the problem. Well, you see, it's it's all about cross promotion, Gerald. You know, if if the, your first exposure to Captain Pike is going to be going to the movie theater and seeing it, and you're like, wait a minute, he's the captain of a series, and then you go home and you sign up for Paramount Plus and you sit down and you binge watch. Why wouldn't you with that hair? Are you kidding me? And I guess I need to be corrected because in some way, because the next generation was one of the most watched syndicated shows on Mm -hmm. television. So I Mm -hmm. give you that. Mm -hmm. And, but to extent though, it should have blown up when Picard in that very same fashion you're talking about came onto the movie screen. Shouldn't have not, but you know, they were mild hits at best for even the best of the Star Trek Next Generation movies. You could have taken, this, and this is all in hindsight, it, wishful thinking. If we could go back and do it all over again, what we would do is we by would generations? set generations? Yeah, maybe by generations. What we should do is we should go back in time and we should look at how Marvel handled S.H.I.E.L.D. and movies being released. Mm-hmm. Right? And we can tie all of these things together. And what we could have done is we could have taken uh, the Next Generation crew, we could have put them in a movie, and the entire movie could have been the story arc of Picard being kidnapped and altered by the Borg. And then you could have come back to the television show that week, and it could have been the next part or a small continuation on from that movie. That would have been, there would have been so much buzz about that at the time. I mean, there there was with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel. And I, I just think that that's, is something that I think that they should consider doing uh, with Strange New Worlds. Find that big twist. Find that big thing that's going to make fans go, what is happening here? And make an incredible movie out of it. 
promote the hell out of it, lead up to it on in the series, release the movie that weekend, and then the next, and then the following week have a continuation from where the movie left off. And that conti- that that continuity is going to move a- across the entire IP. Everything is going to make sense for people who sit down and and watch it and go to the movie and sit down and watch it. And I just think that uh, with the example of what Marvel did with shield and the movies and the releases and the new episodes, I think there may be a formula to, uh, you know, it's an algebraic formula for success in that way. I thought that was very, very clever. And I can't see, imagine why that wouldn't work with star Trek. Okay. No, the, the only reason I'm saying is because, you know, like I said, uh, you've had moments where star Trek has resonated to an extent. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still, it still was on syndication. So you don't know, the millions tend to the, what there was probably 15, 12 to 15 million people watching it, you know, back in the heyday of the 90s syndication where you didn't have many options. Right. You were, you know, there were there were probably millions watching it. But just the fact that when they went out the generation crew to the big screen, mild success after mild success, after, and then you got residual returns as after you kept going on. Then you got a very weird version of a young Tom Hardy. <laughs> we'll right, talk about right. the last time we go it went south from there but um, i didn't hate just, that movie though it's so uh, wrong of me but i didn't hate that movie uh, i know that, i'm that, sorry that one of us but i will say <laughs> generations started with generations uh yeah. you know which i thought would be a massive hit and it was a hit it was okay yeah. But again, we've never seen that worldwide blockbuster like the, at the realm of Star Star Wars. And the thing is, Star Wars has such a crossover universal appeal. And Star Trek seems to be something on a, well, that's your dad's, that's your mom's, that's your uncle's, your aunt's, or something on a cerebral scale. Like you have to go ahead and memorize uh, like a test in order to go ahead and do it. Right. I wanted to make sure that everybody knows that if they can, and good shout out to you, Blue. Great to have you here. I wanted to go ahead and say that when it comes to Star Trek, it's getting to the point now that I think that Paramount finally realizes that that's the case, that it does. you do not have to memorize. They're creating shows like Strange New Worlds where you do not have to, to memorize exactly what everything does. And it doesn't have to be drawn out like a National Geographic special as far as what everything does. It could be quickly explained quickly thought through and quickly dealt with. And that could be fun to the viewers, but also to the fun to those who are partaking in this, as we've seen from Strange New Worlds. One of the reasons why it gets over so well and is such a great hope for the future is because the fact that Strange New Worlds, they look like they're having a blast while they're entertaining you and having a blast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the techno babble of Star Trek, particularly in the next generation, I think, uh, was definitely a barrier. And, uh, you know, if, if I hadn't have been watching with my dad back in the day, I, I don't know that as a, how old was I, 13, 14 year old, I don't know that I necessarily would have stayed with it. But, you know, it, it was spending time on the couch with my pops and we'd hang out and we'd, you know, eat eat some snacks and we would watch Picard and Jordy and Data would go over their techno babble stuff and we would just not understand it and we would just continue on with the show. But that's not okay for a lot of people. They, you know, there's yeah. a there's a lot of people who are like, if this is over my head, I feel too stupid when I watch it. So I'm not going to watch it. Um, and I don't blame them. No, blame absolutely them. not. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than watching something and you don't understand, you know, 
85% of what they're talking about. And that, that is a frustration. And I think that that is something, uh, like you said, that Star Trek has kind of realized and, and has started to, to pull away from. But while still in, in some cases, and in fact, a lot of cases, Lower Treks does it jokingly, but there's also references in Star Trek Strange Worlds that they do put in little Easter eggs, put in little reminders of the past so that yeah. you don't totally alienate your older audience or your audience that's just built on the nostalgia that you've already built. Yeah. It just, it, it just, they're trying to do a, a delicate balance. And so far in the first two seasons of Strange New Worlds, I think they've done just that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we can, we can call ourselves classic fans. We don't have to call ourselves old fans. We're classic fans. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And I hope you will give Strange New Worlds a try because it does just that. It does not spend five minutes trying to explain to you what these certain parameters or what the certain parts of the ship do and do not do and how it's vital to saving the universe. They just go out, they get it done, and they go ahead and look like they're having fun while doing so. So I hope you give Strange New Worlds a chance. And in fact, for everyone out there who gets a chance, who's listening to this on Friday, you will get a chance because the first two episodes of Strange New Worlds, season one, are actually going to be on CBS. So if you get a chance to watch that here in America, or I believe on YouTube, part of Strange, part of the Paramount Plus uh, YouTube channel, it's been on there, so you might be able to find the, some of those episodes as well. Also, StarTrekDay.com. So I'm hoping everybody will give that a chance. They'll go ahead and check it out, because there are parts of the Star Trek universe, my friend, that are really fun to watch. Yeah, there, there truly are. And I mean, there's there's the classic stuff for all of those who, you know, dig the classic Star Trek techno babble. Uh, you know, I, I've grown to appreciate it. There's like a there's a there's a I, I don't know if this is right, but there's like a pitter patter to it when you're when you're after you've watched it for long enough and they start talking about, you know, warp cells and forward to cells and, and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And Jeffrey's tubes and goes on and on and on and on and on. It, there's there's just there becomes a a pattern to the way that Jordy and Data in particular talk to each other, the two actors. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it becomes fun to watch because you, you catch on to things like that, but I'm not going to try to sell you on techno babble. That's, that's a silly conversation to have with somebody who's not interested. So I get it though. I understand as well. Mm -hmm. Once again, it is the PCC multiverse. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching, listening. Truly appreciate it. Please make sure you go out of your way to go ahead and support what Melinda's always working on at Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts or Wizards and Wine on YouTube. So please go ahead and support those great channels today, plus whatever we're doing here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So with that in mind, we've yes. talked about how Star Trek Day should be celebrated. I know that on uh, tomorrow during Star Trek Day, you're just going to run around with your Klingon suit on, shouting Kaplar to everybody, including mm -hmm. your husband, mm -hmm. which will yeah, probably free. Yeah, it's how I'm going to wake him up in the morning. It's going to be That's terrifying. That's exactly what I was just going to say. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, blah! Yeah. Ah! Happy ah! Star Trek Day! Yay! There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you're going to stun him with a phaser. But when it comes to... <laughs> When it comes to Star Trek, one of the things that did bother you when you went on the air, uh, before we went on the air, is that you were very perturbed with Variety. Yeah. Variety recently published their 57 greatest episodes. And, of course, it's very subjective. It's it's what they think it is. And, and uh, you know, before I go into their thoughts on some of the top episodes of all time, I want to hear yours. I want to hear some of your favorite episodes of Star Trek from any of the series, which is what they also covered too, whether it was Prodigy, whether it was Discovery, whether it was Enterprise, which everybody forgets about as well, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was uh, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, or the original series, or Strange New Worlds, or Picard, or Discovery. All those series, which I think I've got everyone, and Lower Decks, I think I got all of them with that. Tell me your thoughts on some of the great episodes that you've seen in Star Trek lore. Weirdly enough, um, my two favorite episodes, well, two of my favorite episodes, um, mm-hmm. happen to be Deep Space Nine, um, which I admit to falling into that trap that when Deep Space Nine was on TV, it was like, oh, it's too much of a soap opera. It doesn't feel like Star Trek. You know, I I fell into that. I bought into that. And I've since gone back and watched it. And there are wonderful episodes. The the, the series really does pick up, though, when Michael Dorn, Worf, joins it. I think it's season yes. three. Um, it, it, so, was, it was sometimes a tough watch at times yeah. before he got on there. And before they got into the 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 Cardassian wars. Yeah. Even, you know, when they introduced um, uh, the, the, the cast for deep space nine by having uh, Picard visit deep space nine and the contention between the two captains, it even set it up. I didn't even feel like that was a, a proper setup for a new series. It just, it just seemed like it was a feud going on between them. And it was more about them instead of the, what, what they needed to go ahead and focus on was the, you know, why should people care about a space station? Right. Why should people, you know, they go more into they it was later that they've started going into the Bajoran lore and the car- conflict between the Cardassians and, and the Bajoran uh culture and all that. And they finally went into it later on, but you know, they just didn't make you care right off the bat enough, I think. That's just why people were turned off to it. And I thought it was just the pacing was so slow. In fact, when the music came on, the the, the theme music came on, it was just like do 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 and it was just like it was just so slow compared to I want to yeah. go out in the ship and do things and see universes and all that and, and we're here stuck on the space station. Like why do I want to watch this? But it it actually like you said became compelling over time. Yeah, it really did. And so two of my favorite episodes from Deep Space Nine um include there's one called Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite where Cisco is challenged to a baseball game uh, by, sorry, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was an all Vulcan uh, team, baseball team, a crew. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's just, there's wonderful moments. um, And all of my moments of a course are going to revolve around Worf. He was my favorite character. So there's just great one-liners from that guy all of the time. Worf is actually a very funny character. And he proves it with the, his delivery of some of these one-liners. Like in Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, um, they're talking about uh, like trash talking the other team. 
and uh, and stuff like that. And Worf absorbs that and he's thinking about it. And just out of nowhere, he goes, death to the opposition. Very funny in the show. It's probably <laughs> out of context. It doesn't sound funny, but it is. It's very funny. So for that one line, I will watch that entire episode. It's very, very good. Um, another one is a little bit heavier um, to watch. And it's the episode where uh, Martok and Worf come together and um, Worf leaves Deep Space Nine and he goes on a ship to serve with Martok for a mission. And the episode is called Soldiers of the Empire. I think it's in the fifth season. I, I'm not sure. I can never remember episode titles or what seasons happened. I just know what happens in the episodes. But you see um, a very broken Klingon in Martok. And I don't mean physically broken. I mean, like, spiritually broken. Um there's a lot of reasons for that. And I don't want to give away too many because I want people to go and watch it and, and, you know, feel the episode uh, as it happens. But um, you see Worf take Martok under his wing as a, as a, as a friend, as a, as a family member, almost like he feels like he's responsible for him. He takes care of him um, and he's kind to him in a way that a warrior would be kind to another warrior. Um, in the the final moments of the show just wrap it up so beautifully and it's so touching and it's a beautiful moment between these two characters who um when push comes to shove you realize that um there's there's a genuine camaraderie between them there's a genuine friendship between them that's very very deep and um they they become family in a beautiful, beautiful way. And um, yeah, that's probably my favorite Deep Space Nine episode. Whenever I sit down with somebody and they're like, yeah, I've never watched Star Trek. That's the episode that I point them to first. I'm like, if you want to see great Star Trek, watch that. Is DS9 your favorite series? No, not at all. So no, that's it's surprising not. then. Very, yeah. It, but that's always the one that I, that I point them to first. Um, because... I think it shows it shows the heart of Star Trek. It, it exposes so much about the show and about the way that the characters um, end up having to work together and an understanding of, um, I think, you know, when you get down to brass tacks of Star Trek, what it's truly about. It, it's about humanity and, and it's about, um, you know, finding that way when you're lost. And I, I think that space is a big metaphor for all of that. I could bore you with my thoughts on everything but I, I won't maybe maybe some other time we'll do a show about that but okay. i just think that there's just something truly beautiful and subtle about that entire episode and i 100 percent encourage you to watch it please watch it once again we're talking about what's going on with star trek day and our thoughts on star trek as star trek day hits this weekend hopefully you'll support star trek day by checking out StarTrekDay.com watching Lower Decks, and checking out the first two episodes ever for Star Trek Strange New Worlds on CBS. So I ask you, my friend, now that I've touched on the TV show for you, and for me, uh, you know, I, I guess I love the classic, uh, of course. Uh, the old, I know it's corny. I know it's uh, in some, uh, it just has not aged well with some of the episodes. Uh, I will say that (laughs) at least. Uh, But I I do think that there are some that resonate uh, with an audience that's still, even to this day, if they give it a shot, the Trouble with Tribbles episode is still one of the classic episodes of all time. Absolutely. Top tier stuff. Yeah, exactly. Space Seed, 
and that's all simply because of Ricardo Montalban, who you would know from Khan later on in mm -hmm. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. This is what actually, you know, where the series, you know, where in the series and where in the timeline it emanates from. And, you know, that's just the character Khan himself, this villain among all Star Trek villains. You could talk about the Borg. You can talk about uh, Kardashians. You could talk about Romulans. You could talk about uh, Klingons, Vulcans, whatever you want to talk about as far as possible uh, foes for the for whatever captain in the Federation. But it's not until you get Khan that it truly connects with you and you get see the seeds of that in, ironically, a show and an episode called Space Seed. So that those are two of my favorites from the original series, plus A City on the Edge of Tomorrow with Joan Collins in her finest performance ever. Sorry, Dynasty fans, uh, <laughs> but is uh, her favorite best episode ever. And it is considered by many to be the best episode of the original series. So hopefully you get a chance to check it out. There's there's quite a few more that are still good. Mirror Mirror is a good one as well. And there's some mm -hmm. others that are really good. So hopefully you get a chance to check that out. You can check it out today. All the Star Trek stuff on Paramount Plus if you've got a subscription. But I think with the next generation, I think everybody should also go ahead. And, you know, obviously... Uh, when it comes to some of the most important Star Trek episodes of all time, you have to go ahead and check out some of the best uh, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. I think I would be remiss in not, not selling that. Obviously, when the Borg first appears as a major entity, mm -hmm. you got to go ahead and check that out, especially, like you said, when Captain Picard is captured and assimilated yeah. And the best of both worlds, both those episodes, episode one and two uh, in The Next Generation, I think you need to consider that. But you're wearing a shirt from one of yes. the most monumental episodes of all time. And I yeah. would be remiss if I actually left that out. So go yeah. ahead and tell us a little bit more about that episode. Well, you know, I, and it, true to form, I have no idea what the episode title is. Uh, I okay. understand I'll it I'll by it quote. There are four lights. Um, but to see Captain Picard do his best to remain Captain Picard in the face of everything that was thrown at him or taken mm -hmm. away from him um, is so good to watch. Patrick Stewart in that entire episode, just he's so good. And then when, when he brings in the, the little girl and the little girl is, you know, talking about this human, like he's some kind of pet that they're going to keep in a cage, just, it's incredible. It's it's so good. And then you just you see the the power dynamics play out between captive and and captor, um, and yeah, you just you see Picard broken down to you know the the very fiber of of what Cap Captain Picard is and and who he is and and how he stands there and uh, you know the the threats that were made against members of his crew that he didn't know uh, were not captured and um the way that he responds to that it's it's a it's a fantastic episode it, it truly it's actually is. a, a two-parter as well from yep. it's called chain of command yeah and it's also considered one of the best sets uh, of all time and yeah again there, there's many i guess you could also consider the next generation like a discovery in many ways one of the most uh, important series simply because it brought the star trek 
universe back to life after mm -hmm. the Star Trek movies, they had already kind of run its course. Uh, I think Star Trek four had already debuted or no Star Trek three had already debuted by that time. And it was already starting to go a little bit downhill as far as the quality is concerned. So I ask you before we go ahead on out, as far as to the break, the final break of the day, uh, share with me your favorite Star Trek movies. Uh, because I okay. will tell you, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, and I'm going to go ahead and say some of the episodes on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which we've talked about on the show at nauseum, also get on my on my on some of my top list as well. But then again, you've already heard that, and you're probably going to hear it from me again later this year when we talk about the best of pop culture. So I will save that for later as well. The two uh, movies that Jonathan Frakes directed uh, okay. with the Next Generation cast, so that's going to be uh, First Contact and Insurrection. I, I enjoy even the episodes that Jonathan Frakes uh, directs. He directs some of these Strange New Worlds episodes. Yes, he um, does. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the awakening that I had over Riker. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I just understand and I know when it's an episode that has been directed by Mr. Franks. And I met him in person. I got his autograph. He smells like dreams and wishes that have come true. He's an incredible human being. I adored the 30 seconds that I got to spend with him. Yeah, it's probably those two movies. And I know, you know, my my taste in Star Trek is, is niche. I'm going to admit it when it comes to the movies and stuff. And uh, I don't always like the ones that have done the best in, in the theaters. And there's not really a reason for that. It's just whatever it is about the movie or the direction or the story or something that happened to one of my favorite characters in the movie is really what makes the movie important to me personally so those are probably my two that stand out the most if you're in the las vegas and henderson areas and are looking to buy sell or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles there's no better place to go than retro city games from xbox to playstation nintendo to atari the great crew at retro city games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Can I ask you a question speaking on the Star Trek movies? Of course. There's a rumor that the original Star Trek movie from the 70s mm -hmm. that it's still going that it's still continuing because it seemed like it's been playing out so long even with the director's cut that made it longer right. i just want to make sure that rumor's not true uh, because when i've seen it i felt like i was actually watching forever on it yeah is is that the one where the special effects department just like went Viger, Viger, oh. Viger, where are you there you man, go oh, yeah there's the yeah. one where it shows that shows um kirk and and spock i believe and they're like in that ship then they're going up the side or up an elevator or something to go to uh the enterprise and it's I just it's so. like half yeah. an hour of them in yes. this elevator thing with nothing but the orchestra and big <laughs> shots of this, the enterprise <laughs> right. okay i'm seeing yeah. it for like this 30th minute in a row okay yeah. i'm done yeah, yeah that it. was, it. That was the original star trek movie yeah and then you know it just that one just took forever and then the fact that it led to just you know spoilers voyager right you know just as viger as the main 
villain, so to speak. I thought that was crazy, but it more than made up for as far as my favorite all-time Star Trek movie and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. That yeah. movie with its over-the-top cheesiness, mm-hmm. brilliant performance from Ricardo Montalban playing one of the most evil villains of all time, quoting Shakespeare. Right. And it just absolutely just mind-numbingly good. William Shatner's best performance ever on film is mm-hmm. in that movie. And the fact that it has a plot going through it that actually makes sense <laughs> and absolutely the the emotion the first time i saw what happened to spock if you've not seen it it's you know spoilers it's a what 40 30 year old movie plus yeah, yeah. come on come on hey so, there are people out there who are discovering it because you and i talk about it so much well so. star trek 3 is the search for spock so that tells you exactly <laughs> something happened to spock in the second one so well, i will just, tell we'll you be vague about it be vague about yes. it but Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and then after that, it is the Star Trek reboot. I know you said you don't have an affinity for it, but what it did for bringing back to life uh, and giving Paramount the idea that they could resell and repackage Star Trek, period. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm thankful for that, and I thought that was just definitely, uh, it, it's a it's a fast-moving roller coaster ride, and I love it. I, I absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, I know it's not for every Trekkie out there because it, it kind of, throws a little bit to the wayside as far as what the Trek universe is about. But then again, the Star Trek universe today is doing the same thing as I've DM'd you several times this season in Star Trek Strange New World. So whatever issues people have with J.J. Abrams for like eschewing some of the issues and things that made Star Trek for people good, they got to go ahead and and be fair and say the same thing about what's going on now and can't say they love Star Trek Strange New Worlds because they're doing the same thing. So I will say my movies for me are Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, then the Star Trek reboot. I like Into Darkness as my number three, but mm-hmm. there's a steep drop off. The movies for me have been very much hit or miss. Generations was okay. Star Trek three was not okay. Star Trek five. The, it's like it's like the Indiana Jones movies. You know, you got to make yeah. sure you check out the number. Back in the old days, it was an odd number. People would know it would be a bad one. If it was an even number, they'd probably go and see it. So, yeah, those those are pretty much my summations on the movies. But the Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan and the Star Trek reboot are the ones I would recommend the most. That's fair. And I do want to give a couple of honorable mentions to a couple of episodes. I know we're on movies, but I mean, all of the stuff is coming back. Um, There's an episode. It's early in the seasons. It's like season three, maybe four, I think. And um, it's a it's an episode where um, everyone on the crew starts to regress. So Picard starts to revert to a caveman. You see the origins of the Klingon species. You see the origins of the Betazoids and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Just a really interesting, neat, very spooky, actually, episode. I, there's a lot of jump scares in that one. It got me every single time. It still does. And uh, there's one that was on the variety list. I agree that it should be on the list, but I thought it should be much higher than 38. Uh, and that's an episode called Cupid. And you will know which one I'm talking about because it's a meme. And it's uh, the one where they are taken um, to a like a Robin Hood kind of thing. And Worf delivers the forever line that will be quoted by Star Trek fans. I am not a merry man. Fantastic. It, give that one. Even just for that one line delivery, give it some time. It deserves it. 
I'll tell you what, though, if you get a chance to go ahead and share your thoughts on the Star Trek universe, we would love to hear it. Mm-hmm. It is Star Trek Day coming this Friday, the day that this airs. So it's our tribute to Star Trek. Hopefully you have some great Star Trek memories. I know that some out there in our, in our audience, they were really kind of, you know, eh, eh, about Star Trek. They need to dumb it down. And that's not a bad complaint at all. Yeah, I think that the future is strong, that they are going to try and make it more commercially viable for an audience out there. So the future, I still think, looks good for Star Trek. What are your thoughts and memories of Star Trek? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we babbled on so much about Star Trek. There's only a few minutes left, but I did want to make note that Starfield is an absolute hit on Mm -hmm. Xbox and PC, amassing over a million concurrent users because it's finally hit xbox games pass on the sixth that everybody is just excited for it the reviews 87 out of 100 on metacritic even though there's a lot of wild variances as far as the scores are concerned it is about uh, a bethesda adventure in space and i think that uh, i'm going to enjoy my time with it whenever i get a chance to sit down with it but I know Josh has already started on it. TJ Johnson's already started on it. Jamie Monroy's probably already started on it. So I'm looking forward to it. I know you're not an Xbox user, but you know what? I think that at some point in time, you got to go ahead and take the plunge and go deep into the star field. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I am excited, and I'm currently saving my pennies uh, to get myself a copy of Baldur's Gate 3. That's where I'm going. Well, you need a PlayStation 5 for that, so you got to save a lot of pennies. So. I know, I know. That, that just came out this week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a PlayStation 5 console exclusive for now because Xbox did announce that it actually is going to eschew the previous rules for Xbox X and S. So Xbox X and S will get it one version without split-screen co-op and one version with. Uh, but it, we're not going to get it for another two, three months down the line. So for now, the only way you can get Baldur's Gate 3, which has been a universally acclaimed hit on PC, mm-hmm. is now only on a PlayStation 5. So hopefully you'll get a chance, Melinda, to go ahead and play that and play 100 hours of that because that has been an amazing adventure. And then get an Xbox so you can play 100 hours of Starfield. There you go. Your life in detail. There. Gerald, Christmas is coming. So okay, I'm, I'm just saying. Okay, I'm just saying I'll say and I'll say it to Robbie too. Yeah. She needs an Xbox. Xbox. She's finally said she The isn't. control things are too big. I'm right. sure there's a third party adjustment you gotta can. get some kind of finger extensions or something. I don't know. There you go. Something like that. They're, they're, <laughs> I'm sure we could find something for you if that's the case. But if you have thoughts on Starfield or Baldur's Gate three, which are now out Baldur's Gate 3 on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S and X for Starfield, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But before we head on out, I thought we'd save five minutes for this because yeah. we've Melinda has said, oh, it's not going to get me into the theater. Well, that might get me into the theater. Well, that might get me. It always says that. And then, you know, did you go get a chance to see John Wick? No. No. No, didn't do uh, it. Did no. you go get a chance to see Dune? No, no, not the not part one. No. Gonna go see part two. Yeah, but yeah. that's like next year when it got bumped up to next year. That was very disappointing. <laughs> so lo and behold, it gets announced <laughs> that Taylor Swift, the Aeros yeah. Tour, 
It's going to be in a celluloid movie format coming out uh, in the not too distant future. And the advanced sales were already underway. I know because my wife and daughter, one of my daughters, is uh, very interested and I uh, think you're going to buy some tickets here soon. Yeah. But it, it got released to about uh, 26 to $30 million in pre-advanced sales, which I think only Marvel films, a couple of high-end Marvel films, have only been able to outdo and outpace. So your thoughts, my friend, will the Eros tour movie from Taylor Swift, when it comes out here in the not-too-distant future, be the ticket for you to get back into the theater? I mean, it might be. It might be. You've and said this before. No, I know that. But here's the thing. The the Eras tour is turning into, or not even turning into, it is in itself a phenomenon. It, it's saving economies of the vi- cities that it's visiting. Mm-hmm. It's It's helping hotels. It's helping car rentals. It's helping all of these things that have been suffering ever since the pandemic. It's helping a lot. It's helping a lot of different things. So what's the hype? What are the friendship bracelets about? Do I know all the Taylor Swift songs? Absolutely not. Do I own a Taylor Swift record? Absolutely not. But I'm curious enough to want to go to a theater and probably get caught up in the enthusiasm of the crowd and act a fool in a theater. Because you're lying to yourself if you don't think that there's going to be dancing and hollering and screaming and cheering and all of that stuff in a movie theater during this show you're lying to yourself if you think people are going to stay in their seats it's not going to happen so there's so much curiosity that i have about it is it legitimate is 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 she worth the hype that's what i want to find out do i like taylor swift music there's a few songs that i could do without but the majority of them I, i i enjoy there's nothing wrong with any of it so yeah it might be the thing the curiosity just might be too much and I may have to surrender to it and go become a Swifty for a night, at least a night. All right. Well, it starts October 13th. It's so yeah. big and anticipated that The Exorcist actually moved off of Friday, <laughs> October 13th. Of all days, a horror movie moves off of Friday yeah. the 13th in October because it's so frightened of the Taylor Swift movie that comes out. So I would have stayed with it and just see if you could try and combine. What was the word that they're passing around? It's like Barbenheimer. Thing the again. extra Swift? Extra Swift. Yes. There you go. Extra Swift. There you go. They didn't need a chance to do that. So we'll see. Is your husband, Robbie Ross, is he a Swifty? You know what? That's a good question. I can't answer that. I don't know. Well, he better be a Swifty if he's going to yeah. take you to the theater to go there'll see. Be, there'll be one night in October where he is. <laughs> exactly. I can see you arguing with me. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not giving you a friendship bracelet. Right. There's yep. no way. Yep. Yeah. Time to get crafty. Time to pull out the cricket and make my own Taylor Swift shirt. It's going to yes. be amazing. <laughs> no friendship bracelet for you if you don't take me to the Eros movie. Yeah. Yes. So. Makes sense. That makes sense. It's perfectly fine for a grown adult to think that way, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your thoughts out there? Are you going to go ahead and check out the Taylor Swift Arrows Tour movie coming up October 13th? It's playing in for a couple weeks, so you have plenty of options to go ahead and check it out. But what are your thoughts? Taylor Swift at the movie theater? Is it your thing? Or are you going to shake it off? Shake it off. Pop Culture Cosmos. Ed Yahoo.
Well, Melinda, it's been a great episode. Any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes. Give Star Trek Strange New Worlds some of your time. It deserves it. Here's hoping that Star Trek will always live long and prosper. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, Kablar! It's your own classroom. It's not a beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for this. And here's hoping you have yourself. I can't even do this right with the fingers. Yes, you can. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Oh, great.